June 14th, 1934, all right? June 14th, 1934. A man was born on that day that would later matter in my life, okay? Um, I was actually working on the other side of these doors in this hallway in the closet back there, and my dad called me, and he said, hey, 061434. And I said, what? Like, that's literally how he started the conversation. That's not how my dad starts conversations. And I said, okay, what? And he said, the, the car, the unlock code on the side of the car. See, I got my car from my dad, my, my new car. And uh, he said, the, I'm, the door, when you push the buttons, anybody have a car with buttons? I know this is like 10-year-old technology, I understand, but it's what I got. So just roll with me here. So he said, uh, the, the code is 061434 if you ever need to get into the car. And I'm like, okay, sure. And then he said, listen, I think it's the first owner's birthday. I think his birthday was June 14th, 1934. So he used it to program thing. Now listen, before we keep going, I changed the number, okay? If you think that I just gave you access to my vehicle and then I get robbed and the cop says, well, who knew the code? And I say, only like 400 people, plus all the kids I taught this to at high school chapel on Thursday. Barely anyone, sir. So for your protection and for mine, I changed the code. But you get the point. And so anyways, I just thought in the moment, listen, I got so many kids, I can barely remember their birthdays. One hasn't even come yet, right? I've never met this man. The chances of me, I'll just keep a key on me. That sounds easier, right? Can you feel me? All right, so, that's, so that, that's what I decided to do. But then it happened, okay? I went out to my garage. I thought my car was unlocked because it was in the garage. I went to open it, and it was locked. And I thought, what was that code that my dad gave me? And I moved all the files around in my brain, and I found it, and I used it, and I was in, all right? And that is when it hit me. My dad gave me some information that I didn't ever think I was going to need, but in the moment that I needed it, I had it, and I was able to, to get into my vehicle. I was able to advance in life. Do you, do you hear me? You hear what I'm saying, okay? So this is a perfect segue for what I'd like to talk to you about today. So this morning, I want to talk about how God gives us what we need when we need it, but he also gives us what we need long before we'll ever need it, right? If we're willing to get into his word and fill up with it, all right? So let me pray, and then I have just three points, no poem, but three points, and, uh, and then we're gonna continue in some worship today. But Jesus, I thank you that you are our savior, that you showed us the Father with your life, that through the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to uh, just live and move and have our being, and so I ask that this morning, these words would not be my words, but yours, and that you would show us how we can get into your word, we can build ourselves up, and then when we need it most, we can access the richness of your wisdom and your glory. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 3, please. If you don't, we will have the words on the screen, but Proverbs was written by a guy named Solomon. Solomon was king over Israel. His dad was King David. You might know some of these names, you might not, so that's why I'm just doing a little review. And uh, Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. In fact, I just read through First and Second Kings in my message translation. It's very like, 
readable. And uh, I'm reading the story and he says, uh, God takes Solomon to the side and he says, what would you have? Name one thing and I'll give it to you. And in the message translation, Eugene Peterson says, give me a God listening ear that I might rule your people well. Okay, that's what Solomon said. And God said, absolutely, right? And so he became the wisest man that ever lived. The book of Proverbs is called the book of wisdom by many, and it's full of proverbial wisdoms, okay? And so here we pick it up in Proverbs chapter three, verse one. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. All right, when I read this, point number one, what I draw from is this. Our best life is found when we are walking in close intimacy with him. Let me repeat that. Our best life is found when we are walking in close intimacy with Jesus through his word, okay? Solomon is telling us, and he tells us throughout the book of Proverbs, that our best bet to not be whipped around by the circumstances of life and the things that come against us is to be rooted in his word. And as I already alluded to, the Bible is a lifeline from our dad giving us valuable information that we might need right in the moment, but that we might not need to access for weeks, months, years even, okay? So, I can remember, let me give you an example from my life. I can remember December of 2016 pretty vividly. I talk about this often when I preach because it was a pivotal moment in my life and my wife's life. Um, Our daughter, who's running around here somewhere, um, was born 11 or 12 weeks early, two pounds, 12 ounces, okay? And now as a pastor, I sometimes have to go into hospitals and things like that. If I go in the winter time, and I'm not being dramatic here, I'm being serious, it is almost like PTSD moments for me. Like it's very, it brings back a lot of memories because December, what's her birthday? December 14th, 2016, I told you, I have a lot of them, all right? They're all, it's all rattling around and So anyways, December 14th, 2016, she was born. We were up there December 5th. She lived there 60 days. I mean, she came home on Valentine's Day of the next year. So like, it's a lot. There's a lot of just like stuff there, right? But this is what is amazing to me. Um, If you've heard my story, you know that I started as a, I was in sales and I just started as a part-time worship guy and then kind of snowballed. And in 2015, I was reading my Bible like crazy and I was getting filled up and I was moving towards this calling as a pastor. And in 2016, before she was born, I took the leap and quit my job and went into full-time ministry. And I was, you know, filled up, but still have a lot. I still today have a long way to go. Like this thing's a journey, right? But what happened was all this stuff that I'd been filling up with in 2014 and 2015 and most of 20, you know, all 11 months of 2016 before she came, I was able to access when we went through one of the hardest moments we've ever gone through, right? Because I had, all, I had this well that I had dug deep that I was able to draw from in this moment where these moments where I didn't know what the next day held, you know, it was very scary. And so anyways, that's one example. I could give you dozens, but this is the takeaway from that. We pursued a close intimacy and an understanding of our savior when we didn't need it, so we could access it 
when we did need it. And now listen, we need it every day. But there are times in life where we need it really, really, like we just get brought to our knees in these moments and and we need to have that equity built up. Do you hear me? All right, continuing in Proverbs 3, verse seven, it says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And as a father, the son he delights in. Now, point number two does not have to do with your money. Relax, okay? I know that's in there, but that's coming in in weeks to come. Uh, Point number two is this. Do not run from spiritual instruction and correction, okay? Do not run from spiritual instruction and correction. God is so for you and so for me. He stopped at nothing to buy us back, right? Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter. I know it doesn't feel like it as you drive in today, but the greatest event in history is coming and our celebration of it. And This is the thing. I saw a post online recently that said it so well. When we run from spiritual correction and instruction, this is really how I would sum it up, or this person, I don't remember who it was, but it said, if it grieves God's heart, why are you so sure it will fulfill yours? It won't. Let me say it again for the people in the back. If it grieves God's heart, why are you so sure it will fulfill yours? It won't. We need to trust him and we need to trust his teaching. God only corrects out of love, never out of anger, never out of emotion. He's not imperfect like we are, right? Um, we do our best, but we fall short as parents. And sometimes we, we correct, maybe the correction is right, but the way we do it's wrong, motives matter, right? But God never does. Now, I know this might shock some of you, but I was a pretty rebellious teenager, okay? Stop laughing, who laughed? Um, I'm just kidding. I was a very rebellious teenager. In fact, something that happens to me all the time happened today. Someone came up to me and said, are you Quint from the punk band? I won't say the name because then you'll go Google it and then it'll be embarrassing for me later. From 2004? I'm kidding. That's literally happened to me once since 2004 today. Okay. But it was pretty funny. So um, I said, yes, I am. Let's move on with the conversation. What else can we talk about? Um, but I will say this, I was a pretty rebellious teenager, and here's why. Now that I'm in my 30s, I've had some time to look back and reflect on it. Simple, I made some really bad agreements. I viewed authority as an obstacle, okay? I made the decision, authority didn't have my best in mind, they had their best in mind, and so I had to jockey for position, I had to uh, work through that. It was actually a hindrance I had to overcome, just bad agreements, okay? I bought the lie, that my parents' best, that, that my parents' intentions weren't my best, weren't for my best, okay? And it was, just, it was just wrong. It's just not true, all right? And so I behaved in a way that was not in line with the truest thing about my parents. I behaved in a way that was not in line with the truest thing about my parents. How often do we do that? right? How often do we behave in a way that is not in line with the truest thing about our Father in heaven, right? He is so 
for you and he is only good. And we cannot run from spiritual instruction and spiritual correction. And it's important that we come to church and that we hear from his word, from a spiritual guide that we call a pastor. And it's important that we are pursuing that close intimacy with him like we talked about in point number one. So I would sum it up this way. We need to properly align our agreements about our father. And we do that by sitting in a setting like this, sitting in small groups, and by pursuing our relationship with him. All right? Point number three. And then we're going to head back into some worship this morning. For point number three, we're going to go over a few pages to the book of Psalms. We're going to read from Solomon's dad. Like I said, Solomon's dad was King David. He wrote a lot of the Psalms, like most of them. And um, in Psalm 145, he says it this way. And let me, before I go on, if you're here today and you think like, this is, this is pretty basic, Quint. Like this is, you know, like I get it. You said you're still learning and stuff, but this is pretty, this is pretty basic. Listen, this is from the Apostle Paul. I tricked you. The Apostle Paul, Colossians chapter one, the message translation. I love this translation. As I read it one day, it just made me stop right in my tracks. He says, we preach Christ warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. To be mature is to be basic. Christ, no more, no less. And that's what I'm working so hard for day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives me. Listen, this might be basic, but before we jump into point number three, it's the fundamentals of faith matter. The basics really, really matter. And they matter that you don't just have them for you, but can you give them away? Can you lead other people in them? Can you teach other people in them, right? Because that's the next step. We are disciples who are to make more disciples. And so point number three from Solomon's dad, King David, Psalm 145, it says it this way, one generation commends your works to another and they tell of your mighty acts. One generation commends your works to another and they tell of your mighty acts. Now this psalm is a psalm of praise and it's loaded with good stuff, but here it is telling us we are responsible for telling that next generation of how great God is. We are responsible to bring up the generation behind us. And listen, like I said, I preached this in high school and middle school chapel on Thursday and I challenged them the same thing. One generation commends your works to the next over and over and over. Like I said, I was a rebellious teenager. I was in a punk band, so I was a punk. I'll just say it, right? But I'm forever grateful for parents who were patient, for a youth pastor who did the work anyways, who watched me flounder around. If it wasn't for iPhones and Facebook and social media and everything else, he wouldn't even know what I do today right? But he did the work anyways, because he had faith that God keeps score. God has the final word. He has a plan for everybody's life. And so we can't be prisoners of the moment. We can't watch situations happen and, and just have no hope for them. God had hope for us when, we had, when it looked like we had no hope. So we need to have hope for them, right? Hope for that next generation. So point number three, we need to raise up the generation behind us to love and to know Jesus, okay? So let me, uh, let me recap all three of them, and then we're gonna go back into a time of worship. We have a couple more songs today, so don't run out of here, all right? 
We're going to have a chance to take communion uh, after this next song. And I really want to encourage you to, to fill this space, to take that step towards him. Listen, we spend our time doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Also, and it's fine. It's good. Like I said, I'm wearing my shirt. I'm going to watch the game later if my child doesn't come. Like, I totally get it. But, but for real, he deserves all our praise. He's the one that's most deserving. And the rest of that stuff is so temporary. It's so, it doesn't matter, you know? It's just, it's entertainment, and that's fine. But this matters. This moment matters. Raising up the next generation to love him and to pursue him matters. And so let me recap these three points. Our best life is found when we are walking in close intimacy with him. Our best life is found when we are walking in close intimacy with him. Point number two, we can't run from spiritual correction. We need to humble ourselves and we need to receive it. And then point number three, it is our role to proclaim his mighty works to the younger generations and to cheer them on when they embrace Jesus as their Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. So go ahead and stand with me and let me uh, pray and we'll jump into this next song and I want to encourage you to just take that step to just worship him, love him, praise him for who he is and for what he's done. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the gift of the church and the opportunity to come together to worship you, to raise up that next generation, to hear from your word. All these things, Lord, you're so good and so generous and so gracious. And so may, we, may you be the focus of our attention over these next 20 minutes, 30 minutes. May you be the focus of our attention. May we lift you up and praise you. May our collective voice glorify you. May you love the sound that you hear. You are so good. We praise you. Amen.
Just give a shout of praise in this place this morning.